On today's podcast, we're going to be talking a little baseball. Then we're going to give you some fantasy football tips for your upcoming draft. Has it not happened yet? And then we're going to talk college football week one picks. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I am your host, Devin Keeney, and it feels like it has been too long since we have talked any baseball on this podcast. So, Mike Stanton, uh, I'm sorry, Giancarlo Stanton, Woo. every once in a while I do that. Ever since he decided to start going by Giancarlo, if I hear or see Mike Stanton, then I call him that for like the next week. So, that's where I'm at right now. So, he tied the Major League home run mark in August with 18 home runs in the month of August, giving him 51 on the season. Now, looking ahead, I think he should easily pass Maris's 61, but he would have to destroy the month of September to get to 73. I think it's just kind of cool to see where he lands. He's having a great year. I mean, we had a few years there where your league home run leaders didn't get 40. So I am pretty pumped to see the home run ball back. But I was kind of looking at John Carlos Stanton's career the other day. Uh, so he's 27 years old. He does now have 259 career home runs. And his 51 home runs this year is his best at his old career high of 37. Kind of hard to believe that his old career high was 37. But I think he probably had to fight through some demons after getting hit in the face with that pitch. Uh, I don't know how many of you all remember that. I'm sure anyone that follows baseball does, but that was just a horrendous scene, and he wore the cage, and he wore the extra protection, and really for about a year afterwards, it seemed like any ball that was on the inner half of the plate, he ducked. So I'm sure that he had to get through all that, and now he is just taking all that anger out on the baseball. So then, we didn't get to talk about this, and I'm kind of disappointed the Royals. The Royals season has come unraveled in about the last 10 days. They're currently 11 games back of the Indians in the Central and four and a half games back in the wild card, and they were shut out over the entire last weekend series against the Indians. Three games, they scored zero runs. That is tough. Uh... I was a pretty big advocate at the beginning of the year, even up to about June, that the Royals should try to sell and get whatever they can for their guys. Uh, They didn't. They actually went and added Melky Cabrera at the trade deadline. And at the time, I was excited. You know, they fought their way back into it. But I think what's happened with the Royals this year is they had that horrendous, like, 5-20 and start to the season. And they've had to climb their way out of it. And it takes so much energy to go on a run like that that I think every time they kind of get to a couple of games over 500, they kind of start to fall back. And then they have another push. I think that we talk about it on this podcast from time to time. I say we, Lucas and I, Anthony and I, I, any of our guests, any of our guests, excuse me, that you don't win a division or a pennant race in April, but you can lose one. And I think that's ultimately what the Royals have done. So they have a, they're going to have a tough off season uh, with Hosmer, Moustakas, Kane, Escobar, 
likely Ian Kennedy all hitting the free agency mark, uh, as well as Melky Cabrera going to be a free agent. It's going to be, it may be a tough, tough five to ten years for the Royals fans, and uh, I'm sad to see that. It was fun to see them good, uh, but there we are. Uh, so then the Cardinals, mm, kind of in the same boat, not as scary of a long-term ride, but they traded Mike Leake to dump cash. Uh, weirdest move. It didn't feel like they were giving up. It didn't feel like they were, I mean, they clearly weren't adding anything. Mike Leake had had a, such a tough second half of the season. Luke Weaver had came up and pitched really well. I think it was smart to try to get rid of $55 million. Of course, that was another thing I was a big advocate of before the trade deadline is try to dump as much salary as you can. They didn't have the pieces to get prospects in return, but I thought they could dump some salary, kind of regroup at the end of this year, fire Mike Matheny, again, beating a dead horse. But I think that they could, if they were able to dump some cash, they may go make a run at some bullpen help, go out get J.D. Martinez, of course, the, the big fish, John Carlos Stanton, but I think J.D. Martinez is probably more realistic. Uh, if nothing else, make a, make a run for Hosmer or Moustakas from Kansas City. They have to have something to bolster that lineup and really find an identity. Uh, was watching the Cardinals broadcast against the Brewers a couple of days ago, and uh, Al Herboski and Dan McLaughlin were talking about where you would put a a power bat in the Cardinals lineup if the Cardinals were to go get a player. I said anywhere. Listen, I love Tommy Pham. Uh, been a big fan of Matt Carpenter for, in years past. Basically, there if you are able to go find someone that can hit third or fourth in your lineup for the next five years, anyone else on that team can be moved. That is the reality, and I think that most Cardinal fans would agree that they don't have anybody that just can't be moved, benched, traded, whatever the case may be. So that will be uh, it. Will be interesting to see where the Cardinals go this off season. I predicted yesterday that Mike Matheny has one more year. Uh, he had four good years, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, four good years to start his managerial career, and things have gotten tough. This will be the second straight year the Cardinals have missed the playoffs. And without any turnaround, I don't think they're going to do it next year either. So I would say that if things aren't changed, that next year will be Mike Matheny's last year as the Cardinals manager. I say it should have been last year, but what do I know? <laughs> so that is about all the baseball talk I have for today. Ball is kicking off this week. So definitely got to get into some college football. But first, I want to talk to you guys about fantasy football. So if your fantasy football draft has not happened yet, I have some tips. Uh, you know, if you're going into an office or work league, and you want to uh, maybe get a leg up on all the other people in your office league, uh, here you go. Uh, running backs and wide receivers before everything. Running backs and wide receivers are life. Uh, get a good tight end. Grant, Kelsey, Olsen, Rudolph, Reed, Walker, Martellus Bennett. A couple sleeper tight ends, O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram. Uh, Howard's with famous Jameis down in... Tampa and Evan Ingram is from Ole Miss now playing with the New York Giants. 
So, do not take a quarterback before the seventh to eighth round. You need a good tight end and to load up on wide receivers and running backs. Mostly running backs. They are life. You can never have too many. So, when some guy seems like maybe he knows what he's talking about and he drafts a defense in the sixth round, keep drafting running backs. Because when that dude's starting running, has two running backs, when one of his starters go down, you will have five starters on your bench. Do not fall into the defense and kickers before your entire roster is filled out. In fact, either draft a kicker in the last round or don't draft one at all. Same with the defense. 16 different teams have to play the Jets this year. So you can always just play whoever is playing the Jets. They will give you a good week. I guarantee and I promise you that. So remember, running backs can never have too many. Wide receivers before quarterbacks. Your starting tight end before quarterback. Uh, I think that my fantasy gurus, Lucas Jones and Tyler Pounds, would both agree with me on all of this. Lucas would say don't take a tight end too early. but And I agree. I mean, I'm talking fifth round, maybe. You need two running backs, two wide receivers before you even look at a tight end. But there you go, guys. That is my little uh, fantasy football preview notes for everyone. So take that advice and run with it. But now it is time for college football uh picks this week i'm going to talk about the two best college football games of the week uh number 17 florida and number 11 michigan play both have quarterback decisions to be made uh i put in my notes don't underestimate florida's defense they have a good defense every year regardless who the head coach is florida will always have athletes because it is the state of florida harbaugh will keep michigan in it But at the end of the day, I'm going to take the Gators 27-23. We've talked about this before, and Michigan only returned six starters, and I think that will play a factor at some point in this game. Florida's not going to be earth beaters, but give me Florida over Michigan in this opener 27-23. Then, number three, Florida State, and number one, Alabama Crimson Tide uh, will open the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, Georgia this week or tomorrow night. And there's one truth of college football that I live by. If you give Nick Saban enough time to prepare for one opponent, he will destroy said opponent. And I did a little homework to back this up. So from his first year at Alabama, these were Nick Saban's opening games. Uh, in 08, they played number nine Clemson. They won 34 to 10. In 09, they played number 7, Virginia Tech, won 34-24. 2010, week 2, they played number 18, Penn State, won 24-3. 2011, they played number 23, Penn State, won 27-11. 2012, number 8, Michigan, they won 41-14. 13, they played Virginia Tech, won 35-10. 14, they played West Virginia, won 33-23 in one of the closer games, uh, opening games of Nick Saban's career. Uh, 2015, they opened the season with number 20, Wisconsin. They won 35-17. And last year, they played the eventual Rose Bowl champ, USC, in the opener and won 52-6. So, I love Jimbo Fisher. If you listen to the College Football Preview podcast, 
you know I picked Florida State to go 12-1, and win the ACC, go undefeated in the ACC. But Bama will win their opener. That's just – it's life. As, as sure as the sun will shine tomorrow, Nick Saban will win his opener. So, of course, after the, a bold statement like that, they're going to lose. But, no, give me Alabama 48, Florida State 31. Uh, some of our Florida State fan listeners will not love that, but that's what I'm going with. And now to our college football picks against the spread. I have to have this disclaimer. I do not encourage illegal gambling. I do not encourage gambling, period. I do these against the spread picks because I enjoy them. I think they're fun, and I like to see how I do throughout the course of the season. There's no money laid on it, and please don't take this as a reason to gamble. So, that's my disclaimer. I will have to read that every week. So, here are my picks for week one. Uh, give me Maryland plus 19 against Texas. Uh, I like Tom Herman. Texas has been way overhyped this season. Maryland's not going to be a great football team, but Texas is not 19 points better than any Power 5 school right now. Uh, even in Texas, give me, like I said, give me Maryland plus 19. I think that's a pretty good lock. Uh, then I'm doing the double on Florida and Michigan. Give me Florida plus four and a half points and the over of 43. Both teams have good defenses. Neither team really likes to run up and down the field, but I think that their defenses and special teams could score 43 in this game. Uh, next one I saw that I really liked is Appalachian State at Georgia. Give me the over of 45 and a half. I think Georgia is going to score 38, which means you only have to get eight from Appalachian State, who was not a bad ball team last year. So I think that's an easy over of 45 and a half. Uh, another great lock right here is Florida State Bama, Bama, the over of 49 and a half. Uh, I think I've just predicted Bama to score 48 points. So that means that Florida State just has to get a field goal to cover. Uh, and then on the Sunday game, it's either Sun, it may be a Monday Monday game. I I cannot remember right now. But Tennessee and Georgia Tech are playing in the Mercedes Benz Dome, and give me Tennessee minus three against Georgia Tech. Again, Tennessee, like Florida, not going to be an earth beater, but they're more than three points better than Georgia Tech. Not that no, I hate Paul Johnson's freaking. Uh, triple option offense that he runs at Georgia Tech. They had some good years, but Tennessee's got enough talent to be three points better than Georgia Tech in that game. So that is all I got for you guys. I am pumped to get two passed in this week, be completely caught up. Full disclosure, I really wanted to do a live Periscope tomorrow of uh, some college football games and previews. We may get to do that. For the uh, Florida State-Alabama game tomorrow night, but I will be on the road for family uh, during for the early games tomorrow. So, like I said, we I might get to do that for the, the late game, Bama-Florida State. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance yet, check out the blog, fumblingpunter.com. A lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, everyone, for sticking through. Let me know how I'm doing. I've enjoyed it, and thank you guys for your time. Have a good weekend. The tide are going to roll. For the Fumbling Punter, I am Devin Keeney.